I'm Sherry Sylvester, and this is Ninth in Congress. Here at the Texas Public Policy Foundation, our North Star is always to create policies that'll keep Texas Texan. In the last few episodes of Ninth in Congress, I've been going back to the root of that, speaking with people about what made Texas Texas, how the Lone Star State shifted from blue to red, from bankruptcy to global economic dominance, and became a magnet for the rest of America and the world. I want to talk to folks who were in the room where it happened. This is episode 10, and today I'm talking to media guru David Weeks. David Weeks is a sixth-generation Texan who has created message campaigns that have resonated with Texans voters for almost four decades. He is an award-winning media consultant who has advised former Texas Governor Rick Perry, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, former Attorney General Greg Abbott, and a host of others, as well as the National Republican Senatorial Campaign Committee and the Republican Governors Association. David is a graduate of the University of Texas at Austin, where he was named Alumna of the Year at the Moody College of Communications. He has served on the Board of Advisors for the Communications School. I want to ask him about this snippet from his lengthy resume. David was appointed by then-Governor George W. Bush to serve on the Texas Quarter Dollar Coin Advisory Committee, where he contributed to the design and creation of the Texas State Quarter that is in circulation now. It is the most popular commemorative coin program in U.S. history. David, thank you for joining us today. What was on that coin? <laughs> well, that, <clears throat> that was a fun committee, I'll tell you. It was, it was, uh, by the way, I'm glad to be here. Uh, I'm a fan, so I'm looking <laughs> okay. forward to this. Uh, it was a it was a great committee. Um, uh, Tr, we had historians, we had coin experts, we had business people. Uh, many uh, people know here, uh, but the one that I bonded with the most that I really enjoyed working with was Tr Fehrenbach, who is a historian, wrote a lot of books about Texas history, and he. Uh, my father had a lot of his original first editions. And so when I started working with TR, I took all the first editions and got him all to sign every one of them. So it was a lot of fun. But the coins, we we, we submitted five uh, examples to the governor. And the governor ended up, Governor Perry at this point ended up picking. But it was it was an interesting because everyone had an opinion about what should be on the coin, right? Um, everything from buffaloes to longhorns to mockingbirds to, you know, to blue blue bonnets to mountains to any and but it it, it the process became, uh, you know, fun because everybody it was all about Texas, and we ended up deciding the ones we submitted five the one that was picked which was my personal favorite to me it identified Texas because it. You know, we have a unique shape to our state. Everybody knows it. Uh, you can see it on a map of the United States. It stands out. And so having the shape of Texas on a coin with a lone star, we thought would be a great way to introduce the coin to the United States. It has a rope around it uh, to th throw back to cowboys in the early days. And they're, well, ranchers and farmers. And uh, it's the one that the governor picked. Uh, and I'm... I know he had some help with that, but he ultimately made the decision. So it was it was fun, and you're right; it was a great success. 
So it was Ter- terrific. So now we can like know the story once we <laughs> find those quarters. If you're right. going through quarters, yeah. I said we don't use quarters much. That's anymore. right. It's the problem, <laughs> but it was fun. So, talk to me about. Uh, we're here at TPPF. Uh, a lot of the the people that work here uh, either weren't born. <laughs> When what, are you, Texas, what are you saying, Sherry? Are you saying, you saying I'm Texas, old? Is that, <laughs> when Texas was a blue state, or they came from other places, right? Like right, Jefferson from right, California. Right, we have right. a lot of people, uh, and we have a lot of people involved at TPPF from around the country. Sure. So, people being a conservative state has become part of our identity. Right. How did that happen? Well, um, we've been a conservative state, and uh, we've been a conservative state for a long time. Uh, it, it was, but the Republicans haven't had power. But that the Republicans long. didn't have. But when the Democrats ran Texas, it was a conserv. It was the conservative wing of the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. and a lot. I mean, sure, there's differences, and I'm not going to say it's the same. But uh, there was a lot of similarities between what conservative Democrats and what Republicans now agree on. Uh, but what what happened? And I, and of course, most a lot of people know this, but. Um, it's very similar to what's going on with our party right now. Uh, the The more liberal wing of the Democratic Party started getting frustrated that the conservatives continue to operate the Democratic Party. Uh, so what they started pushing more. They started pushing harder, and they started uh, winning primaries. I remember one that I, I, I must say I should add to this conversation. I'm a former Democrat. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. But uh, the early days of my career, I was a Democrat and conservative Democrat. So um, I was involved in a state Senate race of Senator from Abilene, Grant Jones, who was a, you know, one of the more conservative members of the Senate. This was in the 80s, in the late 80s um, and uh, expected to win his reelection. And we got beat in the primary by uh Temple Dixon, our Sweetwater, a trial lawyer. And, of course, our mantra was always, we were always fighting trial lawyers, right? Personal injury trial lawyers. um, But we lost that campaign. And we were the first conservative Democrat elected official to lose in the primary. And that, I I, I remember vividly having this thought, what is this? But this is a sign. Something's happening here. And we we start seeing it evolve a little bit more. um, And... You know, uh, to Phil Graham's credit, he's the one that kind of got it all started. He was the first major switch that switched parties when he was a Democrat, switched to Republican. And uh, so is that period, late 80s, early 90s, that things started happening. But let me let me just stop and ask a quick question. So when Senator Graham uh, switched parties, what did he say? What was his message? Well, well I mean, why yeah. did he say he did it? What uh, issues? B- well, mattered? it's what they all said, uh, said uh I didn't leave the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party left me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they also, every one of them said it. But I, he probably said it first, probably. But, uh, you know, the, the policies, the programs. Uh, well, like, like what? Was it taxes? Taxes. It, was, uh, it, it became what the part of the liberal wing is today, wanting government to do more for you. Uh-huh. And more, want government to take over your life. Uh, and it it was what all the conservative Democrats had a problem with. Back when Democrats, conservative Democrats, ran Texas, it wasn't it, there was never an issue with it because the liberals never had any real say. 
Uh, and then as they started winning these primaries and then getting elected, uh, having shots in the general election, uh, things started changing. So these conservative Democrats, uh, you know, decided, you know, I need a new home. So the other piece to this that happened uh, is a lot of people don't realize this, but this was in 1990. It was the election cycle. And um, that was the year Clady Williams ran for governor. Uh, and uh, the two other down-ballot candidates that year happened to be my clients. I had already switched, um, uh, Rick Perry and Kay Hutchison, Kay Bailey Hutchison. Rick was running for ag commissioner, and Kay was running for treasurer. Mm -hmm. And there were the, so and there were, I was representing both of them. Rick, Rick and I have a, a past in history. I, we were both Democrats together and friends, and, and uh, when... Um, when I switched, uh, it's interesting if it's okay to tell this story because sure. um, uh, I was a conservative Democrat uh, and uh, I had worked with Karl Rove and uh, some constitutional amendments and thought a lot of him. And he came to me with my mentor, my the guy that trained me as a Democrat I worked for, a guy named George Christian, who a lot of listeners will remember, um, and encouraged me to switch parties. Uh, and I said, well, you know, I think... I'll, I think that's a good idea. I think I should switch parties. It's going to be hard. I have a lot of friends. But I wanted to go talk to my friend Rick Perry and tell him what I'm thinking. So I went to Rick, and we talked about it. And he came to the same conclusion I did, that he should consider switching. So through a lot of effort, through people. And, and Perry was in the legislature. Then. He was a, he was a state rep. He was yeah. in his third session. And from Haskell. Um, and so uh, with help from Carl and Phil Graham and others, uh, Rick decided to switch. It was obviously a big deal for him to switch. It wasn't a big deal for me, but we kind of switched together. And then uh, at some point, Rick kind of thinks maybe after he's in office that he's thinking about maybe going into the lobby. I mean, he's thinking about his future, what he wants to do. And I encouraged him to run for statewide office at least once, you know, try it. Uh, and we, of course, knew the best place for him was ag uh, because he's a farmer and rancher. <laughs> That's what he did for a living. Right. And um, so he, again, with help from Carl and Phil and others, we, we convinced him to run. Uh, and the, so Kay and Rick were both clients of ours, Carl and I. At this point, I'm working with Carl on campaigns. And they're the only two Republicans that won in 90, the only ones on, on the ballot. Uh, the, the rest of the ballot, that was the last cycle the Democrats won the majority of the races on the ballot. Only two Republicans. The first Republican ever elected to Ag Commissioner, Rick Perry. The first woman ever elected to Treasurer. First woman ever elected to a statewide office, Kay Bailey Hutchison. And they went to Austin. And, and then what happened after that is that uh, Carl started putting together campaigns in all these uh, districts, Senate districts around the state that I worked with him on. And we we started electing state senators. You know, that's when Bill uh, David Sibley got elected, Florence Shapiro got elected, uh, 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 Temple Dix. I'm sorry, uh, Troy Frazier, Tom Haywood, Jeff Wentworth, uh, Steve Ogden. We were electing all these Republicans to the Senate. So things were happening. That's right. So and at this point in '94, when Bush becomes governor, he, he and Carl start. Going a pretty aggressive. Go ahead. Sorry. What was the conversation then? Was there a conversation about the state being purple? And I think I, we didn't always use those colors. No, that yeah. was fairly new. But what what was the conversation in terms of? Oh my gosh! Now we've got seven Republican senators. Right. Or it is that things could start changing, uh, and started having a voice. 
Uh, and we had two statewides elected. Um, when uh, the next cycle came up, Bush got elected governor. So we now had three statewides. That's sadly the only one that won. The rest of the depart- rest of the races were uh, run by Democrats. And um, and then uh, Bush went on his campaign to convince officeholders to switch parties. Uh, one example was my brother. He was a district judge out of Abilene. He got elected as a Democrat, uh, and he. Carl and Bush convinced him to switch, and he switched to the party. I hopefully helped, too. But he switched, and there was a, n- a number of office holders around the state. So, so immediately, we increased our numbers virtually overnight by get, convincing office holders to switch parties. And and it was very successful campaigns. So uh, that started the process. You started seeing Republicans get elected and winning offices. And that, you know, when 98 came around, the last— um, uh, the Bullock was the last Democrat in office for lieutenant governor when not, and he, of course, he did not run for your election. And Rick Perry ran for lieutenant governor right. and won, and was the first Republican elected lieutenant governor. So now we have a governor, lieutenant governor. We have most of the statewide office holders now Republicans. The Senate is now moving to a majority of Republicans. The House is moving to a majority, and things are starting to happen. So that's. That's how that's how it started. To get that's how it got started. Another interesting story about how Democrat uh, the state was, especially rural Texas, is when Rick when, when Rick ran statewide uh, for ag commissioner, uh, he he and Anita had to go out and organize a Republican primary to vote for themselves. In Haskell County, there had never been a Republican primary, mm-hmm. even if you wanted to be, you couldn't vote because there wasn't a primary to vote in. So they organized one and so that he could vote for himself. And the first person to vote in Republican primary in Haskell County was Rick's grandfather. And and that's that's how Democrat it was. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, so it was. It's, well, in, in making this change, how did the Democrats make themselves vulnerable? You mentioned trial lawyers. Was that a big piece of it? I know by the time I got to Texas in uh, 99, the Democratic Party, all their contributors were trial lawyers. Right. Right. There, there was no other infrastructure right. there. Right. That's true. And uh, I, you, you, we had a little, you know, discussion earlier about issues that were interesting and uh, uh, relevant at the time. And the most, the biggest issue in every one of those state senate races was uh, tort reform. Uh, and um, every every ad that I did, every message that we put out in the campaign. Tort, uh, tort reform issue was in it, how we needed to change tort reform. <laughs> and to do that, you know, we obviously had to change the legislature. Uh, so um, that is, you know, when the TLR started coming around soon after that, actually did their early ads when they first came out, TLR. And um, so you, the, the tort reform issue probably had as much as anything on changing the dynamics of Texas politics. But what made it even more meaningful is when Perry was governor and they we had the tort reform constitutional amendment to and, and it passed. Uh, and it's the only state, the only state in the country, I, I may be wrong about this now, but at the time, that had tort reform, you know, constitutionally where it, it was going to stay, where mm-hmm. trial lawyers couldn't do anything about it. And it was very controversial. I did a campaign in Nevada a couple years later Tried, they tried to do it, too, but couldn't get there. It was unique in that it happened. And it was probably one of the one of Perry's greatest moments to get that passed. He was he ran, he was the lead uh, of the campaign. And obviously, TLR was very involved in it. But uh, 
that, you know, that started this process of all of a sudden people are going to go, whoa, let's go to Texas, you know. And all of a sudden, businesses are saying, whoa, let's, you know, now regulations are changing. You know, it's always been pretty fair with taxes and low taxes and no income tax. Right. So that's always kind of been there. But now all of a sudden, they're looking at it as a place to come and build businesses. Uh, and and that's that's where it started. So, so and Perry also at that time uh, began going to other states right. and getting. I think that's another thing that people don't remember right. is that tort reform, uh, the trial lawyers had so crippled the states right. that people couldn't do business here because they owned the courts. Right, right. Uh, and you couldn't get right. uh, lots of counties in right. South Texas, particularly, you couldn't get right. you couldn't get a doctor. But right. you're you're the image guy. How did you get that message? I well, it, How did I get, get that it, message to Texans well, it, in, it, the, in 30 seconds? The biggest issue was uh, doctors leave the state. Mm -hmm. They were leaving, and we're going to leave. Um, and they they couldn't, you know, they, the, the, the lawsuits were, were killing them, were, were destroying their practices. So we, we, most of our messaging was based on um, what it's doing to the, to the health uh, providers of the state uh, and how unfair it is. Um, and boy, did the trial lawyers fight that tooth and nail. Man, it was amazing. Uh, and it barely passed. It, it was it was tough. Uh, but um, the, it, uh, looking back on the ads that were, I, we, I did one ad called Vanishing Doctors where I shot an ad in, in a lobby of a hospital and there's a nurse, a doctor speaking. And as she's speaking about the issue, all the people in the lobby started disappearing. <laughs> uh, and uh, we, of course, it took a long time to shoot because <laughs> we had to take people out and put them in. And it was, it was, it was a very effective ad. Uh -huh. uh, anyway, so, and, uh, but that, that concept of doctors disappearing and our, our, you know, health, uh, the the health providers that we need to take care of us are discouraged and, you know, have no interest in really practicing medicine. So that changed completely, mm -hmm. not only for the uh, health, but for businesses that could come now and not worry about getting uh, frivolous lawsuits filed against them. And it was huge. So yeah. it helped in so many different aspects of the economy in Texas. Yeah, it's it's really a, made it really was a pivotal pivotal time. It's really made a difference. We're in I you know, I work on uh, uh, diversity, equity and inclusion on right. college campuses and you go on those college campuses now and all the law schools are named after all those lawyers. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So right. it's it's not it's not like uh, yeah. they have left us. Yeah, right. The, right. Well, you know, there is a place and a time that somebody might need a personal injury trial lawyer. So <laughs> and I get that. And that's okay. But uh, you know the it, uh, the the playing field's a little fair now, uh -huh. and I think I think they're probably okay with it too. I mean that, that it didn't damage their profession. It didn't. You know they're still doing well, uh, but it uh, it just leveled the, the playing field and allowed allowed the industry to change and you know uh, new new money come into Texas. But you mentioned the. Uh, the, I did the ads that we that Perry used when we went into other states to mm -hmm. convince, and we did, and it was fun because we never really put any money behind the buys. They were just kind of little buys we throw out there, just to get, to get the press attention. And then obviously, what would happen is the media, say California, uh -huh. would just go nuts over it. And so they were taking our, you know, puny little TV buy ad with a with a mess TV ad, and, and turn it into a pretty huge, 
you know, investment for us. Uh-huh. They were, it was always in the news. And, of course, it was, a, it was a fun debate to have because it was always a debate that we would win. Jerry Brown was governor at the time, and he was constantly making Moon fun. Moonbeam. Governor Moonbeam. He was constantly making fun of, you know, what Perry's doing in Texas, taking fun of Texas, and, you know, nobody's going to leave California, and they were starting to leave. <laughs> Now, and they still are. <laughs> 300 people a day from California. USA Today did a whole piece yeah, of Californians coming, yeah, to, that, yeah. coming to Texas. Tell me how Rick Perry, so somebody that you knew who had been in the legislature, uh, and, and he seceded into the office when Bush runs for president. Well, Everybody expected Bush to run for president. He had to run for president whether he wanted to or not. <laughs> how did you, how did his message, how did you shape him? Because that's, he's quite a contrast right. to Bush. Right, right. Well, it, um, obviously that was an important race because we knew whoever won that race uh, would, could likely become the next governor if Bush was successful uh, in winning the presidency. And and most of us believe that he could do it. Uh, so so it became, you know, the race that really the next gubernatorial race. John, John Sharp is who we were uh, in the race with and who uh, arguably was then and probably still is uh, the most conservative Democrat in the state. Uh, he was their best effort at putting someone up that is as conservative as, as m- many of the Republicans. He's just never made the switch. Mm-hmm. And so it was... Um, um, it, uh, it was a race that, you know, kind of came back to uh, just Texas needing to stay conservative and be conservative, and John Sharp couldn't do it. There, you know, it's a, one of the things we were always able to drive home is no matter how conservative a Democrat was, there was litmus tests that their party made them pass in order to move up the chain or get any good committee assignments. And those litmus tests were never talked about in campaigns unless we talked about them. You know, uh, sporting uh, uh, abortions, uh, all the different things, climates, everything that it, it liberal Democrats now are dealing with uh, were still out there at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we pushed those buttons. You know, yeah, he may be a conservative Democrat, but the Democratic Party is going to tell him what to say. Mm-hmm. And they're going to tell anybody what to say because they're going to have to say it. And, and it was true. I mean, that's what that's what happened. It's one of the things that pushed people like uh, uh, Beto O'Rourke in a race because he wouldn't. His his position was, "I'm not going to change." Well, of course, it didn't matter because he didn't have a any chance to win anyway. Uh-huh. But but that was his. You know, he didn't have to. The Democrats knew that they were going to put somebody in all, up for candidacy that would take their positions and not cave on them. So, mm-hmm. but uh, it was a it was a close race. We were. You know, um, it was it went down really to late in the morning before we ever really knew we won that race. So mm-hmm. it was it was close. So Perry was governor for like what twenty five years or yeah, something. Exactly. He was governor for a, like a very maybe I don't know. a very long time, <laughs> and in many ways he redefined the office of governor yeah, sure. in Texas. And how what message what did he end up representing to people? Well, uh, you know it's. An interesting story because he's he's one of the few people in Texas, maybe in national politics, you can say this about. Rick Perry came from rural Texas, right? He was raised on a farm. He went to rural, he went to rural high school, rural schools. He went to A and M. He got out and joined the Air Force, became a pilot, 
He came home, worked with his father's farm and ranch, ran for the legislature as a conservative Democrat. Well, he he comes from real Texas. Mm-hmm. Now, you start thinking about statewide elected officials, even back in the in the late 90s and early 2000s, that could come from real Texas and have a chance to win. Right. It was rare. And so he got, when he, he was in the legislature, uh, he he got elected ag commissioner, so he ran an agency, a big agency. He got elected lieutenant governor, and he ran the Senate. So he had House, agency, and Senate experience before he ever got to the governor's office. Now think about that. There's not, hadn't been anybody that's done that. That's why he was so effective and moving legislation and moving people because he'd go in and talk to them. He'd go and walk on the floor of the house and, ch- you know, because and because he was one of them. You know, mm-hmm. he'd walk on the floor of the Senate because he was one of them. You know, and so he he knew how to talk to agency heads because he was one of them. Mm-hmm. So it's a unique position that nobody has ever been in. And it provided him with a kind of clarity to lead Texas that, in my mind, and I've been in this a long time, uh, nobody else ha- has had in many, many years. Uh, not that it's anything wrong with coming from, you know, cities and, you know, wealthy families. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it's unique that Perry had the perspective that very few of them had. And I think that probably is what makes it uh, make, makes him the kind of leader that he became. Uh, and in my mind still is. I think he's still very active and of course you know as even it when he was at energy he was well thought of he won over you know de- democrats when he was secretary of energy he was he's always able to do that yeah they bring a a, a different uh perspective i think yeah. uh uh governor abbott from houston right but his you know his understanding sure. and coming to office sure. and and sure. all of its work on the court and and this 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 is a great background there's nothing wrong with this but he comes from legal judicial and uh, big cities, and that's right. good. That's great. That's, I mean, that's I love that. But there hadn't been very many that came right. from the kind of background he came from, uh, which people. I mean, fi- over fifty percent of the vote in Texas is real is a real vote, mm-hmm. as as we know. <laughs> and so it's and it used to be more, but it's it's uh, so it's it, uh, it, it does mean something. And I, I, it's really it's one thing I look for in candidates. I, I really like to see more. Real Texans come out and run and get involved and, you know, and because it does make a difference. Really yeah, does. it yeah. definitely does. Yeah. Well, I, I've got a bunch of questions I want to ask you, uh, but tell me this. So when did the border? I mean, if we ask and you and I have been in sessions where polling is brought up, mm-hmm. it's always the number one issue. Yeah. Has it always no. been the number one issue? No. No. When did when did it become um, important? Because there's been people coming across for yeah, a long time. Um, you know, I, I had. I, I would I would say that probably in sometime in the 90s uh it started changing when the cartels started really gaining a lot of control and a lot of violence um uh on the border in the border towns I I mean we, anybody my age or even younger uh not a whole lot younger but younger remember just going across the border I mean going to Laredo walking across the border in the regular I mean, just wave at the guard. You know, just show them your license and go. El, El Paso. And, yeah, going El over Paso. And, I mean, go it was, for an evening. I mean, it's it, so it changed. Uh, and there's probably other dynamics I'd have to think through. But but I think that um, uh, the, the border violence had a lot to do with it. Um, and uh, sadly, a lot of the leaders in these uh, border towns, we didn't know at the time, were connected to cartels. 
and it it created a situation where the government then has to, you know, be careful who's coming over, and they cracked down on it. But um, but nothing like it, it was never anything like this. I mean, this is if there's anything that's dramatically different about Texas, it's what's going on at the border. I mean, it is. Do you remember the first ad you made on the border? Uh, I yes. Well, I've made a lot of ads on the border. We shot we, when Perry was governor. We'd go we'd go shoot ads on, on the border. And as we were shooting with the ads, we'd see this boat coming across the border. <laughs> and we're like, oh, look. <laughs> uh, yeah, when he ran for governor, we did a lot of border ads. Uh, I, I, have, I, I do work outside of Texas, too. And most of the candidates that are running that I work with that, that are with the national, national candidates, cast, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Congress or Senate, uh, would want to come to the border and do an ad. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, was always shooting at the border, and and I have done work, uh, public affairs work for Governor Tamaulipas and the mayor of Laredo, uh, and uh, uh, so uh, I've spent a lot of time shooting ads on the border. Yeah, it's it's actually kind of fun to do it. Yeah. Well, you know, you talked about the quarter, and I know that you've worked with legislative candidates all over Texas. When you start thinking. It's a little bit different kind of question, but do with it what you will. When you start thinking about Texas images, where where do you start? What do you want? I mean, do oh. you know the, the, some guys put a hat and boots on? Yeah. Some people, I mean, go in front of the blue bonnets. Yeah. What do you look for when you're when you're getting well, your brilliant ideas? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm you know I'm born in Lubbock, grew up in Abilene, so my father's from Panhandle, and I've come from. Uh, uh, panhandle, you know, cattlemen, uh, d- descendants of famous cattlemen. So it, for me, it's always been about the, the history and the heritage. Mm-hmm. It's so unique. And um, again, I keep talking about Governor Perry, but um, his first TV ads that we shot were shot at Lampshead in mm-hmm. Albany. Um, and um, we brought his horse in and did him, you, you know, we did all the, you know, and, and it, it, they were very, uh, very well received, and he became kind of known as the Marlboro. They were called the Marlboro Man uh, commercials. Uh-huh. But the, the the that but today, even today, if I have a chance to do something, you know, that has a real look to it, a real feel to it, I, I you know, I'll, I'll go there every every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we're going to you know need to do some things that that aren't uh, real, but. Um, it's it it would be it's my go-to kind of image, um, if it if it works if it fits the candidate. Sometimes it may not actually fit the candidate, so uh-huh. you just don't do it. But if there is a connection there, it's all it's. I think it's always resonated, and I think people uh, veterans, you know, if there's a when they run for office, it's always good to do something about what they did. You know, what you know, showing them in their flight suits or in their camo, and and so it's. Um, it's that same kind of thing. I think Texans are proud of, of their history, and I think that they like seeing that, in, especially in political ads, mm-hmm. uh, and it makes them feel good about the candidate, and it's, it's, so it's my go-to. <laughs> it, it's, it's interesting. I mean, we have the <laughs> most popular cities in the country. Yeah, you know, we have sure. beautiful, beautiful sure. cities. We have the Alamo, yeah. which is you know what the most photographed probably right, shrine probably, yeah. in in the country and uh, yeah. what when you saw this change you saw what you said was a sign your guy lost out in Amarillo and you said uh, yeah. you see what kind of signs you seeing now 
Well, um, you know, there's similar signs. They just kind of flipped. Uh, uh -huh. So, for example, um, you know, we we now elected Republicans. We're now a majority state. We, you know, we have Republicans all up and down the ballot. Early, it's early 2000. Rick's governor. You know, we have Dewhurst as lieutenant governor. Uh, we have, you know, the whole ballots, everything. The, the Supreme Court's all got. But there was a, there became a discontent with conservative Republicans that would elect a, someone to office and they get there and they didn't, you know, they didn't do all they could do for the conservative issues that those people felt important, that were important to them. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you started seeing a little bit of pushback uh, from moderate, from a moderate Republican to a conservative Republican. But what kicked that off was the April the 15th, uh, 2009, I think, when the Texas Tea Party uh, started its doing their rallies. Uh -huh. I never, I was, uh, Governor Perry went to three of them that day. And this was during the primary election with, when Kay Hutchison was mm -hmm. running against Governor Perry for, this was the, during the primary. Mm -hmm. And he, he went to all of these Tea Party rallies. Now, you know, he didn't, he didn't uh, uh, start with the Tea Party, but he, they liked him and he liked them, but they weren't together on everything. But right. he, but they clearly, uh, and so nobody really knew what they, what, what this was going to be, you know. But I saw, not that I had any premonition, but I, I saw the same kind of signs. This was like that liberal Democrat pushing out that conservative Democrat, mm -hmm. you know. And I were seeing uh, a conservative Republican want to get more involved, want their candidates to be more uh, like them, right? Uh, so uh, uh, that's when you started seeing this trend to electing, you know, and, and having the difference between a, 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 a strong conservative Republican and a moderate Republican. And primaries never used to be really that strong. I mean, it, it, it started happening when this hap started happening, but the, the dynamic of the conservative Republicans in, in mid-2000, 2009, mm -hmm. and you start, started seeing Republican primaries be, become tough, you know, mean and 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 rough, and that had never been the case. Typically, most of the time, somebody would defer to a candidate that they thought was better qualified and just let them run. It wouldn't even be a primary. Mm -hmm. and then I, but then we started seeing strong primary elections, and we still are. So uh, that that dynamic changed. Uh, it, and this is my opinion, uh, but I think uh, the first first person to actually get elected to office on the Tea Party platform, which you know is not a you know, it's it's a it's a platform that a lot of people you know agree with. It's just a matter of degrees, right? Uh, was uh, Ted Cruz mm -hmm. when he won the Senate race? Uh, I, in my mind, that was the and I thought to myself, okay, he's the first guy to actually win a statewide office for his first statewide office, by the way, and um, with the help of the Tea Party. And as as we know, the Tea Party starts to dissolve and go away in the last few years, in the last few cycles. And, and now, you know, we're, we have this, still have this, uh, you know, uh, interesting, you know, dynamic between a conservative and moderate Republican, which I think we're all trying to figure out. So, it's yeah. not as visible to us, even yeah. though, you know, I was a Democrat as right. well. Right. <laughs> uh, but if you talk to Democrats in the legislature, and they tend to stay there longer than uh uh, than Republicans because they have nowhere else to go. Right. But those who are in in the leadership of their party, 
they are always looking over their left shoulder because they have that same threat from the progressive left. Sure, absolutely. And we've seen that down in South Texas, I mean, with people going after Eddie Lucio. That was really visible. Yes. You know, a couple of times with with him, a statesman in the party. Right. And would he have survived another run? Right. You know? Yeah. So it's, 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 it's. I, I, you're exactly right. No, that's that, it, it, and that's what I've seen over the years. That's why it's not a huge surprise to me. But uh, I'm interested to see how this is going to play out and work. And uh, it, I guess it'll depend on who our nominee is. Uh, but uh, so it's uh, the other other interesting fact, uh, fun fact, is during that primary with Senator Hutchison. Um, and and lieutenant and governor perry governor perry sorry uh, yeah. that when she ran against him for governor um we 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 had done enough polling our friend mike basilis uh to done enough polling to know and we asked questions about what republican primary voters thought about an editorial endorsement and they didn't it didn't matter to them it used to matter you know right <laughs> i mean he didn't go well based on what the Newspaper editorial board. Yeah, said, some people right? took it into took, the took it into the polling booth. Yeah. Right. I mean, it was a big deal, and so this was the first uh, first cycle where uh, by cycle I mean primary uh-huh. where government we decided as a campaign not to go after a single endorsement. We didn't think we'd get them anyway, but we decided not even to go after them. And guess what? We didn't get a single endorsement. Uh, Senator got every one of them, every newspaper in the state. They did ads on it. They did newspaper, TV. They, and we were just watching this going, okay, if we're right, then this is going to be good. If we're wrong, we're in real trouble. <laughs> but we were right. Uh-huh. And, and I think, you know, that helped solidify Rick's conservative credentials, uh, you know, uh, and, uh, and, and to speak to Republican primary voters, like, okay, I get it. This doesn't matter. You know, what matters is leadership and what matters is where you are policy-wise, where your moral compass is. And, and so we don't care what a newspaper thinks anymore. So, um, but it was interesting to see that change, having been, I, I was a former press aide, speechwriter, uh-huh. and, you know, dealt, worked a lot with, you know, the press and mm-hmm. newspapers and always, you know, been, uh, you know, very fond of newspapers and, and <laughs> newspaper uh, journalists. So my degree is in journalism, but I never went into the journalism. But anyway, so well, that's it, a whole other podcast yeah, that we've got go. to do there about go. uh, <laughs> we've got to do about journal uh, about journalism. Right. They're, they're so it's so hard for them to realize that it really doesn't matter what right. they write anymore. No. Right. Wrapping up, biggest surprise in your career. Thing, something that you didn't think was going to happen that happened. Hmm. Um, well, so this is um, there's a lot really, but this is one that I thought was pretty unique. Uh, and I, how much time do I have? A few minutes. Uh, yeah. I was working with Barry Williamson, who was um, railroad commi- uh, running for a railroad commissioner. Carl uh-huh. again. Carl was working with me, and we were running against in the uh, Lena Guerrero. Mm-hmm. Who was the Democrat? Now she was the rail commissioner, and appointed a rail commissioner, and we were running against her. And during the campaign, um, I mean, all her campaign materials all talked about her um, being a graduate of the University of Texas. And uh, we, someone along the road, found out that she actually did not graduate from the University of Texas. And so we, the press went to her. And she, oh yeah, you know, I'm sorry that some aide put that in that brochure. It didn't wasn't supposed to be there. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I know I wasn't, you know. And it was a big deal. Uh, but yet this, there was still this cynicism. 
And so we un, un, we went and researched and found some video where she was speaking to uh, graduation classes of two universities, uh, one San Marcos and I think the other was not A and M, but where she said in her statement, "I remember well my graduation. You know, I remember when I graduated from the university." And so clearly it was in her head that she. So we turned that into an ad, and uh, an attack ad. Uh, and we, I don't call them negative advertising. I call it attack <laughs> attack ad. And um, she, when we, when it aired, it was so, it happened so fast that it turned so quickly. She resigned. She resigned from uh, her her uh, railroad commission job. She left it. Now, to her credit, she stayed in the race, but she left the she uh, left the commission, and we ended up winning. Uh, and it was it was a kind of a interesting dynamic in that it's just something you didn't expect, right? You mm-hmm. wouldn't expect somebody to actually resign over an ad that really just said, you know, you're, you know, fibbing a little bit on your graduation. Uh, but it, it was something that uh, has, you know, been talked about a lot over the years. But I, but as, as I finish that story, I want to say that she uh, became, she went back to university, got her degree, and she became a, a you know a very prominent lobbyist. Sadly, she passed, but I had a lot of respect for her, how she handled it uh, after that race and what she did with her life. It was uh, it was very uh, interesting. So, so in a couple of minutes, looking at politics today, if somebody came to you and said, you know, David, I I just really like what you're doing, and I'd really like to be involved in messaging and political campaigns. Uh, thinking about how much they've changed over the years, what would you advise? What would you, you know, say to that person? Um, well, hopefully they have some background in it. Uh, but even if they don't, uh, I always tell them to go volunteer for campaigns and working campaigns mm-hmm. and find what you want to do in a campaign. If you love it and you and you become good at it, you'll you'll find your niche and you will keep being hired. And because you know we need young people coming into the business. And, um, uh, you know, if, if you have a background in communications, then study the art. You know, you, it's, it, there's a lot of examples out there. Uh, and just become that person that dives into, deep dives into uh, the, the whole communications piece. It's changed a lot. You know, they, we didn't have the digital piece we have now. We didn't have the social media that we have now. But but that's a good thing. I mean, all of it's a good thing because it reaches more voters. Mm-hmm. So uh, understanding all those dynamics, learning the business. You have to learn the business. You know, you have to understand what a campaign is. And I just, you know, I was a I was a press aide and speechwriter long before I did TV. So And I worked in campaigns, did everything from driving the candidates to making coffee to running errands to, I mean, you just do it. And it will pay off if that's what you want to do. So, it's and it's also a way of finding out. It's it is addictive. It it's either works for you or if it doesn't. Right. That's why do you think they right. use the term political junkie? You're right. You're right. It really is. Well, you know, you're making a difference. You yeah. really do. You, you really, you really are. do. Yeah. And uh, we need more clear communicators yeah, right. going forward. David, thank you so well, much for, for coming me. by Ninth in Congress, yeah. and thank you all for joining us today. You can subscribe to the Ninth in Congress podcast at Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on uh, Twitter at Sylvester1630. And if you want to receive the Ninth in Congress newsletter, you can sign up at TPPF, uh, the TPPF website, www.texaspolicy.com.